This is a passage from an address given by Ella Baker at the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee National Conference on the 1st of December, 1963 in Washington, D.C. Uh, Baker was articulating the specific strategies SNCC deployed and how SNCC set itself apart from other groups organizing in the Deep South at that time. It's also different in the respect that it goes in the hardcore areas and identifies very closely with people. It works with people. It lives with people. And it has had to do this, especially in the areas where it worked, because there they have found, and we all know this, if we hadn't known it, we should know it, that in order to get people in the deep areas of the South to move, to even act in their own behalf, they have to first be given a feeling of confidence in you. Then this gives them a feeling of confidence so they can break through the years of fear and suppression that, ha that they have experienced. And this, I think, SNCC has done a good job pioneering in, setting the pace for others to follow. I think if we are to move forward as we can move forward, we have to also combine that other thing that I hope will become very unique with us and which was conceived in the beginning, namely that we bring to bear on the problems of race, the problems of human suffering, not only our emotional righteous indignation with the situation, but we use the full capacities of our thinking, our minds, and other minds to actually think through and chart programs that people can respond to and programs that have basic effect on changing the system so people can live instead of just exist. From the shadow of Rockford Tower, behind enemy lines, in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast, this is your Highlands Bunker podcast. Rob is here, Carl is here, as usual, the super producer extraordinaire, and we have, folks, a Jerkyville quorum, our friend from Kent County, Ty Greer. Hello, Ty. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, joining us um, for the first time, uh, somebody I'm incredibly excited um, to host, um, I, I just saw uh, Vonda Smack get... Um, her recognition in going through the Ella Baker program at Network Delaware just a few weeks ago um, from uh, Dover, Vonda Smack. How are hey, you? Hey, how's everyone doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Wow. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know what else you were going to say. Oh, okay. Nope. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. First interview since I've been doing uh, you know, my community organizing, so I appreciate this. Yeah, I, I was. I, I told uh, Drew. I also told um, Kirsten Walther. I tell you guys. I was in network from the beginning, and so I was really proud to be able to stand up as a founding sort of member the other night, which was really neat. Uh, but what was even what made me even more proud um, was to see such a such a diverse group come to the meeting. Number one, and see so many. Um, exciting new organizers um, complete the Ella Baker program again. Um, you know, we've had several cohorts go through it. Some of them, uh, a lot of them have gone on to super things. And it's just very exciting to see the, um, the excitement and, and, and the group go through. So that was, that was really cool. And I, and I, and I, and yeah, I, Got some other information about you specifically that I want to get to. We'll get to that. We'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. So, Vonda Smack, what, where, where are you from? What, what, how'd you grow up? What was it like? And 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 how'd you find yourself um, uh, coming uh, and, and and getting involved with Network Delaware? Okay, so um, I'm from originally from a small town called Laurel, Delaware. Um, my grandfather was a principal there. My dad was a teacher. My mom was a nurse. And that's where I'm from, Laurel, Delaware. From there, I moved to Salisbury, Maryland. Short time, I think I was about seven or eight. And then I found myself back into Delaware after I went to, I went to University of Maryland Eastern Shore for college. And I majored in special education and then, then I changed it to physical education. Then I changed it to social work. So I felt my talent was in helping people so I'm back here in Delaware. I've been here since 96. 
moved to Dover. Um, I just noticed that um, in my time here, my time in Dover, I just noticed that it wasn't like um, where I grew up. You know, I saw that there were a lot of old laws. I saw that there were people in positions not making decisions. And uh, soon, you know, I began to uh, get out and get to meet people. Um, I started, the way I meet, met people was um, I became a security guard at a nightclub. Okay, so there you meet everybody, right? I wanted everybody. You don't everybody. just meet everybody either. Sometimes you have to that really meet That was the good them. old days. She's saying a nightclub. It was the premier nightclub. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Your story. We'll get, we'll, we'll get, we're going to get, we're going to get <laughs> into this. I, I have a good feeling. Yeah. So, um. When I moved to Dover, I moved here with dreadlocks, blue t-shirt, blue jeans, and some blue chucks. And um, what I noticed, I was applying for a bunch of jobs and I couldn't get them. And I got very upset because I didn't want to cut off my dreadlocks. And it was hard to prove that that's why they didn't hire me because I felt as though I was more qualified. So basically to shorten all of that, I became a security guard at Extreme Nightclub, got to meet everyone I can. I was also, I don't like to talk about, I was also a correction officer as well. But let's get back to the nightclub. I yes. was a yes. security guard. And when I tell you this was the nightclub to be at, it yes. was, I met so many people. How many times did you have to throw Ty out? You know never. the funny thing? He never threw me out, but she threw out my friends. Mm -hmm. This is a really funny story. So if you mm -hmm. want to talk about that story, I'll get in trouble. So one time, we were at the club. My best friend had been drinking. You don't <laughs> she, say. She was drinking, drinking all day long. And I kept asking her, are you okay? She mm -hmm. said, yeah. Someone who will remain nameless smiled at her. Now, let me just give you some backstory. This was my I love weed. This was my first experience with a human hair wig, right? Just bought it brand new. She threw a drink on somebody, and I'm like, oh, no, they're about to fight. So I proceeded to take my wig off and fold it up and put it in my pocket. No. I turn around, everybody's gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I found out they had side doors. So I get outside, catch up with the group. My best friend looks at me, and she was like, where is your hair? <laughs> I was like, in my pocket. <laughs> I love that. It's like, I had to tell you, uh, back in my in my younger days, you know, there would be incidents, and you just had to be like, oh, here we go. I could take my glasses off. I could, you know, you know, you're just like, fuck. So I, I can, I can, I can feel that. <laughs> I was like, this is my first human hair wig. What I'm not about to do is have people be playing like tossed the no monkey in the middle with my hair. No, so I kept it safely in my pocket. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that particular. There's so many people out. It's so crazy. But I wanted people to know who I am, and, and it worked. And then I started doing my own thing. So I already had a mission when I came to Delaware. I made it took a long time, and I just feel like, you know, the higher being made it that way because I then eventually um, met Ty on a different whim, and uh, that was why we were out protesting after the George Floyd in Dover and Ty, you know, approached me and, and let me know about Network Delaware becoming a change agent. We can, you know, we're going to, there's a time and a place and, you know, just changing how I come across with things when I want something, because I was a person that would walk in and start yelling and, and saying what I wanted. But if it wasn't for Ty, I wouldn't know the correct way to handle things to get change for the, things that I want in my community. I feel like and we're giving Ty too much credit. I know. Now I got to give her the credit. But, but let, me, let, me, let me be clear, though. You got, So you guys just met at a um, at an action, uh, you know, yeah. just like just mm -hmm. at an at a, at a action after George Floyd. Yes. Yeah. And you were like, hey, you can actually. But but you but you knew Ty from the club or you knew her I mean, from the I club or her, not really. I knew of her. I knew Let's just say knew yeah. of her, but oh, gotcha, not gotcha. like yeah. I, we had each other's telephone number. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're like, that's that person. Mm -hmm. I know that the person. person I went to first was my uh, president for the NAACP, which was Floor. McKinney. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Ty was out there too and Ty came to me. She, you know, I guess she saw my passion, you know, like, you know, trying to teach these young folks the right way, like, trying to tell them, you know, we can't go hollering, hollering. No, you don't need to tell them where you're going. We're still going to march, but we have to do it in a right way, and we have to be in 
in unison, like, you know, have a plan. We're always meeting out here at the green. And so, um, you know, Ty approached me. That's how I learned about Working Families Party at first. Okay. And I saw, I came to a rally that they had down on the, the green and it was about um, minimum wage. Okay. So that's been a while ago. That's the first time I met Carl. You and I were both there. I was there too. Yeah, and that's the first time I met Carl, and and the I reason I can remember Carl is because his dark hair. <laughs> and so, and um, the next time I got involved with Network Delaware, I became a change agent, and so that's when you have one on ones. And I let Ty know, you know, what kind of things that I wanted to work on with me personally, and uh, where I wanted to go with it. And she sought out a timeline and here we are so you but you knew something inside you motivated you to say i need to be involved in some fashion so yeah. you're out you're at you're at an action you're at the minimum wage thing and you you were you were open to being like you know what how can i be more uh you know more productive more intentional and and get more done uh in organizing people together as a group and so that but, but you were you felt it before. Mm -hmm. I felt it because when you look on social media, everybody's got all these grand ideas that they want to see. They always complaining. And that's okay. You can go ahead and complain. But when I approach you and say, hey, come with me to a city council meeting and you don't want to come to try to get that change that you're complaining about. You know what I'm saying? That's the problem that we had. And then I started putting out things to see if other people uh, felt the same way I did in our community because Dover has some old laws. When I'm talking old laws that need to be changed are ancient. They need to get up to time. And I didn't like this, you know, what we're going to talk about in a minute. I never liked it. I never have been in a city where we have city parks and we can't bring music. That has to be changed. Then I was told it did get changed and I'm told, no, you can't. So that's, I got a list. Trust <laughs> me, I got a list. You're working your way down? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I got a list. I love mm -hmm. it. And can you talk about, I'm sorry, let me steal in Rob's job. I'm, I'm the vice mayor. Okay. Um, that's true. <laughs> We're co-mayors, really. Co-mayors, yes. Okay. So um, can you talk about the Smart Justice Ambassador? Oh, yeah, I got to yes. talk about yes. that because that's that's the, the, it was change agent. Then my next step was a Smart Justice Ambassador. Ty uh, said, hey. There's some training coming up for ACLU. I think you'd be great for it. She gave me the rundown, and I said, oh, yeah, I love that. So I got signed up. I went to this training at the People's Church in Dover. I enjoyed it. I was excited, and I think um, my my other mentor, Hanif, could see it Hanif because Salam. I could. Hanif, Hanif Salam. You know, you know I'm, I'm a good friends with Hanif as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. And... Uh, he, I think he could see my excitement because I was just so, like, ready to go and do something. I was calling this man, like, every week, like, what you got? <laughs> what you got for me? What you need me to do? And he's like, oh, man, we, we, they're coming, they're coming, it's coming. So I've been a smart justice ambassador now going on three years. I'm a lead smart justice ambassador. Um, I've had a lot of great opportunities. Um, I'm very passionate about Leo Board, which is Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights. I'm passionate about that. And also about probation reform. Me, myself, I've never been locked up, but I have been pulled over by the cops, and the way that I was treated, I did not like it. You know, we can talk about that. I was a cab driver. Mm. Back when I was 18, I drew a station wagon, right? I'm sitting here going to tell my age because there's <laughs> a station wagon. Yeah, a station wagon. You know, you don't have station wagons now. I know I had one of them, though. And I was taking this old lady from, excuse me, Taking this elderly lady from work. See, I'm learning. You see, I'm you can learning. Still say, here's the thing about the bunker, though. If you want to say old lady, you can just say Okay, old lady. well, I was picking up this old lady, right, from her job at the hospital, taking her home, and I got on Lake Street, um, almost to the base where the cab place is, and next thing I know is all these cops coming from everywhere, and uh, they pulled me over in the middle of the street, like, pull over. So I was scared, and I was like, to the left, to the right, like, like, where do you want me to go? So I just, they said, stop the car. They're on a mega horn. So I stopped the car, and they said, passenger, get out with your hands up. And I was like, y'all really going to make the old lady get out with her hands up? 
And then they said, driver, get out. And then they threw me on the ground. And I said, what is this for? You know, why did you pull me over? What did I do? And then they get a dispatch or saying this is the wrong cab. So all the cabs look the same. Well, the station wagons do. They just had the wrong one. And they apologized there. But then they all just dispersed. I had to help the old lady get into her car. I was so shook. I went down to the police barracks, and they said there was nothing that can be done. I said, can I get an apology? And when they said no, that really hurt my feelings because I feel as though you have to have more information when you start pulling people off other than a color of a station wagon. So, you know, I tried to, you know, protest then, but, of course, nobody was feeling what I had to say. So they, you know, the community just didn't come out, and I was just the only one standing in front of the police station with a sign, you know what I'm saying, that says... You, I want my apology. That's what was on the sign. Yeah. Well, we uh, we work. We've been working with um, the ACLU and Hanif on all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually spoke uh, a couple of months ago when the big report came out about Operation Safe Streets and mm-hmm. the governor's task force. Uh, we had a conversation uh, with uh, Cherie Congo, mm-hmm. um, whose house was raided. Now that was a sort of a different situation because her son was on probation, so that of course the OSS, OSS could just come in and just like ransack it, basically throw her down the stairs and all that shit. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very. Yeah, that's not cool. There, I, I read that story. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. It was very. Um, speaking to her was. Uh, it was pretty heavy. We, we, I've spoken to many people now who have had different run-ins with the police or had their. Unfortunately, their 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 brother, uh, two people who've had their their brothers murdered. Um, it's it's it, what you describe about like not getting an apology. You know, it seems maybe to somebody kind of trite, uh, but actually, it's indicative of the entire problem. There's no they, there's no accountability. There's no responsibility um, for people just to act in the most violent way. And then just say, oh, yeah, well, um, you know, we're just doing what we do. You know, go fuck yourself. Yeah, that, yeah. it's real sick. Yeah, it's sick as hell. Yeah, you know? it's, 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 it's depraved. And um, I don't, you know, you tell people how depraved it is, and sometimes they sort of look at you like, you know, we have Misty Siemens from the public defender's office is writing a series for the Delaware Call specifically about Leobor. I, I, uh, we just dropped the third installment this week. I, I, I definitely want people to go read all through that because this is going to be a, a, a big fight. Um, I guess it's going to be two fights now. Um, that's a word on the street. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually uh, – I'm saving all my <clears> – <throat> I'm saving everything I got, and I got quite a bit for when that goes down. Oh, so you let's just say this: you motherfuckers will see me in Dover when that goes down. We'll All just right. we'll just put it that way. Make sure we have tacos and margaritas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, because this is this is getting to the point where it's 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 ridiculous, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand for it. Um, so I know people love seeing me. Right. Um. So. <laughs> So let let's let's get into this Dover story because I I, I want to give it the, the proper time um, because I heard it from Drew series. He was uh, the first person I called afterwards, and he uh-huh. because I after I had after I told him, you know, just how motivated I was after the network meeting, and that you know I was uh, I told him about the Ella Baker cohort and all of this. That was an amazing class. Yeah. Like, and he and he and he says uh, he's like, you know, uh, you know, Vonda Smack just had a big, uh, just just had a big action in Dover. I'm like, and he told me, and I'm like, oh my god, I got to talk to her immediately. <laughs> so, can you give us some background? What what was the what was the ordinance? What was the argument? Uh, and then how did it go down? Well, let me just say, um, I'm I came on the back end, and Ty can chime in. The first. Uh, time that they introduced it they've been working on this thing for 15 freaking months that that's first and foremost that's way too long to be working on trying to pass something when we got bigger fish to fry like the electric bill so uh she has the you pulling up the ordinances oh no the the first uh the first uh one was the anti-dwarling that was Mm -hmm. under 
under parks and recreation. And basically to me, that just, it was just crazy. It, 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 when I saw it, I felt like it had violated so many rights. So then they just brought it over because there was so much pushback from the ACLU, NAACP. I can't remember all the other organizations. I just remember the major ones. And then concerned citizens, constituents, it's a new word for me because I look at myself as citizen of Dover, but, you know, whatever, constituents who came and voiced their opinion. And, you know, I just felt like, yo, this isn't right. Let's give people some background, too. I remember when this came out because they used a very strange word, which basically uh was like loitering or like hanging out. Hanging out, exactly. So they were basically saying uh, in public spaces you can no longer hang out. Right. Or, or, Or... what it is, if, if I if if I may, and I, I I would like to get your sort of feedback on it. When you see stuff like this, what it does is it actually is meant to uh, increase the the ways that the cops can fuck with you, basically. Yes. Exactly. So it's like if I was if I was sitting on a park bench reading a book, me, uh-huh. uh, like just like an older guy, I got gray beard. I wear, like, old guy hat, you know. Mm. No one's going to probably say shit to me. No, they're not. But they need a way to be able to say shit to the people they want to hassle, to the people that they want to menace, to the people that they want to go through their pockets or 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 get their ID or, mm-hmm. you know, to mess with in some way. So that's really what this is. But the, the, but the ordinance last, I guess it was last year, was this dwaddling? Is that... Dwaddling. Dwaddling. Mm-hmm. Sounds like, yeah, I mean. One dwaddle. of the sponsors of the um, ordinance, um, Councilman Anderson, because I like to use people's names. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should, by the way, also, <laughs> we, we talk a lot of shit in here. So <laughs> I just get ready for this. Because I, okay. I didn't realize until we talked to this guy, because I think I know this guy. He's real like a real homely dude, kind of a doofus looking guy. Is this the guy we're talking about? <laughs> now be nice. Now which be one? nice. Yeah. This is Jerkyville. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Anyway, but the important part, he yeah, said a spe- no. he had a, sp- a specific phrase that he said. He said he wanted to give the um, the police more like stuff for their toolkit so that they can have it. It can open them up to bigger crimes. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we're we want to turn Dover into a stop and frisk state. Mm-hmm. And he kind of never denied that. I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, yeah, I mean that's me. just what I'm saying. It's yeah. like the last thing they I mean, what other tool can I mean the police can they do already got the police can do murder the yeah. police can do murders. <laughs> yes, on camera. On no with no uh consequences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they, 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 you know, they just got away with another one in Dewey Beach. Yes, just, just recently. Ridiculous. So, like, I, I, I fail to see how someone in in their right mind in public can claim that the police need more ways to like suss out the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 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 absurd on its face. They need to do their. Mm, no. Well, yeah, but but so this. This sort of like a way to shoehorn in a stop and frisk situation mm-hmm. that was last year's business and it didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I just want to throw this little pit in and I'm going to shut up. I'm going to smack do her part. Nah, you good. I think it's really important to say that. So they at that council meeting, the last council meeting that they had, and I want to say it was like around September. The consensus was that they were going to have a pretty much, I don't want to say task force, but they were going to have a, a group of engage the community organizations that were there and, you know, talk about the situation, come with a resolution. We hear nothing, right? And in the time that we hear nothing, right. they have the Chief Johnson does presentations. Like, they literally move it to a different committee, change it to loitering. There's presentations. They have, you know, engage everybody except for the NAACP and ACLU. <laughs> they, you know... Have, and then it wasn't until the language came out, and I'm not going to tell my source, but the, the source reaches out to me and is like, hey, I need you to mobilize people. What? Like, you guys knew. Like, so you literally went through all of this. It wasn't until the language came out. Of course, we showed up. But anyway, back to you, Smack. Yes. We, okay, so that was um, <laughs> so January got, the 26th. So in the end of January, mm-hmm. you, you get the word like, hey, they're moving on this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sort of behind the scenes. Yeah. Not a lot of public information, but they're moving on it. It was in January. And so um, when I got the date of the special 
council meeting, I hit up everybody in Dover that I know. I hit up Purple Heart. I, I hit up uh, other HJAs telling them, you know, tell the people at your job. I need everybody inside of City Hall. And I sent them the time and the date, and they were all, it was so packed. And um, people had public comment. And it was just amazing to hear people's stories. And even business owners told the councilman, hmm, I hate to be in your shoes, you know? And I feel like when ACLU got up there to speak in floor, they're looking for us to do their job, talk, asking us to give them a solution on how they can pass this. We don't want you to pass it. There is no solution. So then um, there's, I got There's a, actually no problem. That's the kicker. Yes. The problem, the, the problem having... is they want to give the cops more tools in their toolkit, just what they they don't need any more tools. So there's no problem. All right. And that's they're not the, using you know. the tools that they already have in their tool, in their toolkit. There's a state ordinance that I think, and I, don't quote me, the number is like either seven or eight times that it was enforced. So if you can't really have a problem that's so huge, you need an additional ordinance. It if was eight. You, eight, yes. So if you're not using what you already have, and I just want to put on the record some of the complaints, because I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because I'm in Jerkyville. I want to make sure you understand how ridiculous that this was. Some of the things that they, the excuses they were using and the words they were hearing from business owners was that people were having sex in um, verandas or people were shooting up drugs or, you know, people, those are crimes. Those are crimes. So you should be calling the police. You should, having... you should arrest people for these things, you know. Yeah. If people are having sex in your storefront, you should arrest them for that. Like, this is not, this, this oh, they're defecating in, in, in you know, in, in the hallways and stuff. These are actual crimes. They shouldn't right. be getting a ticket for this. They should be getting arrested for it. So, you know, I got my chance for public comment, and um, this will be my second time making public comment. Toot, toot. And um, I just had to go from the heart. And uh, one of the things I've already, I've already been hashtagging for over a year now, what have you done for me lately? That And, I, and it's voiced to my, the councilman, and I have all their pictures. And so they, they can't, and I tagged them. In my posts. So I got up there and I pointed to each one of them because we actually made history in Dover. Five black councilmen. What have you done for me lately? And I said, you're supposed to have coffee with, you know, someone emails you, you know, we can have a coffee with a councilman. I pointed to Andre Bogarty. I went through each councilman and I thank Fred Hare because he is the only person whenever I email him, about things that I don't want him to vote on or to think about or bring up. At, he has actual dialogue with me. So I told him, thank you. I said, but for the rest of y'all, what have y'all done for me lately? I don't see anything that you're doing. That We don't need a new ordinance. We need to talk about trying to help these homeless people. We need affordable housing. And I said, y'all need to look into the homes campaign and find out what they're about. You know, I just, I just, ran off a whole bunch, and then I walked off, and they wanted me to come back up. And the only thing the president could say is I need to come out to more meetings. I said, I'm at a lot of meetings. I may not be here in person because I'm fighting my fight, you know? I said, but I'm on there through Zoom. So I let him know that, and then um, it felt good. I had my meeting with Andre Bogarty. He's the councilman at large. And I said, man, what's going on? I said, I know you. And I said, we could put all the... You know, professional stuff aside, let's talk like, you know, two sensible people. I said, man, you know that that wasn't going to go through. I said, I said, you know, that doesn't need to go through. He said, yeah, I agree with you. I said, are you sure? Because I had things told to me. He says, no, nah, I don't think I'm not voting on that. I said, you sure? I said, because if you don't vote on it and if Gerald doesn't vote on it, and Mr. Hare is going to follow Bill, and Bill said, just leave it at the state statute. I said, there's no way it could go past. He's like, yeah. We, you know, and I said, I got another thing to talk. You know, he had like he didn't want to really have a conversation, and he had his guard up. And so I told him about the electric bill. I'm coming for that next. Um, I have so many people reaching out about the electric bill. So we had to talk about that. And then I said, look, man, I said, you got some meetings coming up or anything like that? And uh, I said, it's off the record. Come on, talk to me. He said, we have a meeting today. It's at, it's at uh, 5 p.m. I said, thank you. And where is it located? And he told me where. And so I called uh, 
floor. I said, we got to go and ground up some people and go protest in front of City Hall. They're having an executive meeting that nobody knows about, and we need to go out there and we need to round some people up, call who you know, call, and I'm going to call who I know. And she said, I'm going to call you right now. She said, and I told her what was going on. And I said, we should go out there. Come on, bring your bullhorn. And, you know, she's got a cool bullhorn. <laughs> and uh, I ain't going to lie to you. Like, I had just had a chemo treatment. And I was like, I'm making this. I saved up my energy. And so we went out there. It was four women. And we had two high schoolers. And we all took turns on that bullhorn while they were having their meet and there's no way that they could not that I know they heard us because the mayor came out and he says I'm just acknowledging that I know you guys are here and I am for it all and I I am glad that's what the mayor said so then we're out there for like almost two hours and they Andre Bogarty comes out to get us and I was like what what y'all get ready to do you know I'm not used to that I know they're trying to Laura sent us something, told us we had cut our phones off and all that, you know, no video. So they invited us in so that we could hear Councilman Anderson make a motion to basically dead the loitering ordinance and then Bill seconded it. Seconded it. And we got to witness that. And so um, I was hyped. Then I didn't hear nothing about it in the news. Well, I called Drew. He was the first person I called. <laughs> I was literally almost crying, like, because it was it was such a great feeling to stop something from happening for our community. And I called Drew, and I said, man, I did it. We did it, man. It's dead, bro. It's dead. It's dead. He was like, you know how Drew is. He's kind of quiet. So <laughs> yeah, I, do I know. And I know he does a lot. So I said, the loitering ordinance bill in Delaware, the, the, the citation, the order, I was just stuttering and everything. He's like, yeah. I said, it's done. They, 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 voted, they, they voted to throw it out. I said, man, it was only four of us here and two high schoolers, four women. I said, man, it was just awesome. I'm not going to lie. I had, some, I had some information passed to me, and I just took that information and put it out to kind of chug on the heart of Anderson because he is the uh, sponsor for this. And I, I said it. I said, oh, Anderson, remember you was about to lose your house, but a good lawyer friend in this good state of Delaware helped you, so you were almost where those homeless people are. She took a page from your jerky bill book. That's yeah, how you man. do it. That's, That's how, how you I did do it. it. Information gave to me, and I put it out there. And then I also told them when I got on the... You know, election time is coming, and y'all forget I'm the mouth of Dover. Everybody knows smack. And I said, and out of the four of y'all in there, I worked on three of y'all's campaigns. Election time is coming. And the next day I know, like 25 minutes later, the door is open. It was a great feeling, man. I can I, when I when Drew told me I had a great feeling, so I know how you felt. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like. I don't know if I've ever actually had a I, – I, I don't think I ever have – have done an action or been somewhere and then the result, like, worked. I don't think that's ever – like, yeah. to be honest with you, I, I, you're telling me something for the first time. I've never even heard such a thing. I mean – I know what they were trying to do. That's when they <laughs> open that door. You can ask Floor, like, what? Well, I ain't going in there. Right. I know, you know, that's what I was thinking. Like, I don't need nobody, you know, trying to take me somewhere. And Andre just like, we all kind of, you know, myself, Lachelle, Paul, Shondell, we all kind of look like what's going on. And Andre was like, it's good. Turn your phones off. Come on. It's good. Y'all going to be happy. If it wasn't for him calming us and me seeing him laugh, because I know he saw me looking like, man, I ain't going, I'm going in there. I don't know what y'all trying to do. Especially because I know. Like like you, I would feel the same way because when I go to stuff like that, it's always, uh, you know, it's always bad, and mm-hmm. you get you get real hyped, and you're getting everybody else hyped because you really want to make the point that we're showing up, and this is what we think. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I'd have been like, what are we gonna are we gonna fight? Like I, I like I would have. Yeah. Like I, I. Yeah. I I think the only and and again it was more of a neutral 
uh, thing. We went to the Middletown. We went to a Middletown city council meeting mm. uh, after they had allowed some sort of like really reactionary racist floats in that dumb parade they have. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so we went with uh, so Carrie Harris um, organized it, and it was I think maybe. 30, 40 people showed up. And then the, the town hall in, in Middletown is very small. It's very small. So we were out on like the patio. Uh, they had a photographer from. So this got a lot of, a uh, p- little bit of press. Our, our f- old photographer friend Jerry was there uh, because there was photographs of it. Like the paper went to cover the the parade, the Hummers parade or whatever. And they see these sort of like pretty racist floats. And so those got put in the papers, so that when the group came to Middletown, there was it was a it was a big thing. But and I think what they did was like they just I don't think they've had it again. They just canceled it or they changed the rules. But it wasn't as big as being like you know what we're not going to move forward with this. We're going to withdraw the ordinance, and it gets withdrawn. And you're like, hey, we just did that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a great feeling. But I got to give a big shout out to Javon from ACLU. Javon Rich, yes. Javon Rich, she's amazing. Um, she put a lot of work behind it, and um, I actually have a one on one with her next Thursday, and we're going to talk about some other things um, that I'm trying to work on, and just you know, trying to people who are in my network just trying to pick their brains and make sure, you know, um, I go about them correctly because I don't like to fail. And I don't like to lose. And I love a challenge. That's another thing about me. So I got to give her a big shout out. And also Floor. You know, they, they did a lot of homework. Like 15 months is a long time. And, um, yeah, to be fighting something. There's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then while you're concentrating on that, there they go. They slid this. They increased everyone and the, all the constituents in the city of Dover. Mm-hmm. They increased their electric bills by 30%. And I have people... Not happy with that, and that is my next my next task. Now I want to just throw this out here, mm-hmm. clarifying. They keep saying thirty; it was supposed to be three percent, and I don't know what three percent, but I mean, like, for example, like um, which has been published, like different people have posted online. Um, on Mary's Kitchen, like one year it was like nine hundred and something, and the same cycle this year was like two thousand and something. You know what I mean? So if you increase something thirty percent, even thirty percent. It would be negligible. Like these bills are like three hundred percent, you know. So there, ha- there is a problem. They know it's a problem, and they're pretending like, well, well, you know, we only increased it three percent. Nobody would have noticed three percent. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are they pulling the like it's three percent overall, but you guys could have got like three hundred percent? Is that the the thing that they're That's, pulling? But I mean, this is what and not- what and 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 so is is D- Dover has their has a municipal utility. How does that work? No. I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar. Dover has their own electrical. They're not like Smyrna where they buy it from a co-op or something and resell it to the customer. That's that's my yeah, terminology. I'm on, I'm on Delmarva, which is okay. Like Delmarva basic. Power, yeah. yeah. So okay. I, so but City of Dover, Dover has, has their, their own, own yes utility. And and for them to say that it was only three percent, they're lying because my bill went from a hundred in the wintertime, one ninety six to four hundred dollars. That is my bill. Somebody's, somebody moved a decimal point. Yeah, something happened. Exactly. And, and again, like, own your mistake. And it, my biggest thing, and I just keep saying this to them, to Andre Bogarty, Councilman Bogarty, <laughs> I keep saying to him is that when you de- when you guys decided to increase during a pandemic where people are have limited resources and everything else is going up, what did you do to accommodate these high electric bills? If people couldn't pay their lower electric bills, you increase it. What were what your plans for that? that? And we haven't gotten a plan for that. We're working on it. Yeah, so, what? I mean, I, I guess it's just that they everything, they just raise prices on everything. And that's their excuse is just like, hey, to provide this service, you know, the price went up. And so they're just giving you that. I mean, I, I'd be interested to look to, to look at that and see what's really sort of going on. I would have, you would hope that, or as a socialist, I believe that if the, if, 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 the utility, if the electric utility is owned by the municipality, which is basically the people, mm-hmm. and the people run it, like, wait a minute, who's, who's making money? Like, where's this money going? Like, at least with Delmarva, I know it. they're ripping me off. 
Like, I know a private place is ripping me off, but you guys are in a good situation where the municipality is controlling your utility, which is actually pretty good because if they, because if you don't like it, you just vote somebody, vote them out and put somebody else in. And mm-hmm. so that's actually a pretty good situation if, you know, if you can understand why they're making a decision that they're making. So the, the, the um, reasoning behind it that I was given and the conversation behind it was that it had to do with balancing the budget and the fact that the utilities hadn't been re- increased in, like, say, like, 10 years. I'm throwing a number out here. Sorry. I should have been better prepared. No, that's fine. Um, you know this is Jerkyville. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Or if Carl can look it up. We know around there. <laughs> so the, the option was to increase property taxes or increase utility bills. And the decision to increase utility bills came pretty much because it would have only affected about 40% of people if they did um, the property taxes. So they decided that it was better to do the utility bill increase because that would affect 60%. So this is just Ty's Jerkyville assessment. To me, I think it may also have to do with the people on city council own a lot of properties. So when you have people who own properties, of course you're not going to want to increase your own taxes. You want to make sure that everybody... So that's just my own personal uh, assessment. I mean, I, I think that that's probably right. I mean, the, the burden... The burden should be on the people that have the most. Yes. The, the idea of like spreading it out. The I, for, the idea of spreading it out is is regressive anyway. Yes. It should be progressive, just like you know, like the tax rates used to be, mm-hmm. say. Uh, and and so yeah, that's that's a way to make things more just and fair. So, yeah, I mean, the whole th- – this is when you run into these, like, even from an ideological standpoint, the idea is is stupid. Yes. Like the, Completely uh, stupid. Right. Like, the, yeah. like you're, you are, you're already creating – we're already living with a, a system where uh, the, the middle is getting uh, – there is none, right? So the disparity in income and the way people are, are – is driving people to very rich or very poor. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like then saying, well, we have to do something about our f- our financial situation. We're going to make sure that, this, that it, as many people as possible pay for this. That's <laughs> fucking stupid. It is. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about a, a city where it's already struggling. We know the population is struggling. We know we don't have affordable housing. We know that we're hundreds of thousands of units short of afford- affordable housing. Right. So like. This was a no-brainer. Yeah, that's a big problem everywhere, and I know it's. I, I, we spent a little bit of time in Dover this summer for a couple of different reasons, and I sort of, you know, just got got into this, and I noticed that, you know, all of the, all the problems that um, that are happening everywhere are very acute in Dover. Um, you know, homelessness and, and affordable housing, uh, health care and addiction, health care and mental health care, all that stuff. And landlords, they're going crazy raising everybody's. Uh rent of course you know and i'm like <laughs> you know i hear it all from you know my people and um yeah they're they're just you know they feel they're scared to really like come forward and this is what i was um one of my hardest things is getting people to come forward to tell their story you know what i'm saying um and that's one of the things that's challenging for me a lot of people are afraid of repercussions uh, a lot of people are scared of the police in Dover, and uh, they're scared of their landlords. They were not going to have, if they speak up and say something, that they're, you know, going to get put out. And I said, well, you, you got to express how you feel. Because I talked to my landlord, I tell him, because he just told me he was going to raise my rent. I said, you can't do that. You just raised it on the lease. And last July, you can't do that. I have to, you gotta, I think there needs to be a little education around that, but I'm really, um, you know, excited with my community organizer um, journey. Um, After I completed LJ Baker, I uh, called Drew and asked him, could we have a one-on-one? I wanted to talk to him. (laughs) And I probably was like, what does Wanda want to talk to me about? (laughs) So I asked him, could we uh, start a... um, community organized school in Kent County. And uh, I just pitched it to him, I put my ask in there. And he said, sure, as long as you'll co-facilitate. And I couldn't believe he asked me that. And uh, so far we've already, we meet every Saturday in Dover at a great location. And uh, we we have two more sessions left before it's completed. 
So, woot, woot. Yeah, I mean, go, going back to the, the Ella Baker passage that I read at the beginning, I oh, mean, yeah. the idea is if, if, if people have trust in you that you're showing up, that you're bringing people together and sort of giving them the support they need, if, if the apparatus exists to teach people what their rights are as a tenant, say, Uh, Or if the apparatus exists to help people find uh, organizations that can support them through some of these issues, if if they if they trust the people to tell their stories and say, Mm -hmm. this is what's happening. How can I get help? What are the rules? Like all of that stuff. And I just think it's 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 uh, that's the most important thing. That's what you're doing. When I read that. So I, 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 you know, obviously. Knew about Ella Baker and knew who she was, and her, you see her name come up through so many years because her her uh, you know she she organized Small for so woman. long. Uh, but mm. when I read that particular passage, that's why it stuck out to me is because that's really what this is. Yes, it's 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 bringing a bringing groups together, mm-hmm. training them about how to be there and support people. Exactly. So that the people have confidence in there's somebody there for me. Whatever my issue is and however it can be adjudicated, there are people there to support me and help me because we're all sort of in it together. Yes. And uh, it, I think that's that's the only way any of this is going to work. It is. And, and, and it's, it's true what you're saying. Um, you know, um, mostly everybody that I come in contact with because I have my own personal goal how many people I want to reach out to to uh, get them trained so they can be another Vonda Smack. And um, everybody that I reach out to, I send them all emails that come to me. I, I send it to them and I tell them, um, I when I have a one-on-one with them, I try to get a commitment out of them that they'll at least attend one of the, the meetings, whether it's online or in person. So I do uh, do that. That's my first thing. And then I meet back up with them. I have two people I'm actually mentoring right now and um they're doing great. It's yeah. going the way it should. I, I'm excited too because I think that you know, all politicians come in here from time to time mm-hmm. and they sit where you're sitting or they <laughs> sit over there. And um and one of the things that they say is like, well, you know, if you do stay involved, it does have an impact and especially the more local you get, the bigger an impact it has. So, like, when some of these politicians, even state politicians in Dover, get, you know, five people turn up at their office for something, or they get 50 phone calls about something, and actually they're like, what, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And uh, you saw it yourself, and I hope that that is an example for people that if you do, like, it, like nobody wants to take their time to go to something that seems boring. I, I completely understand that. The difference is if you have strong feelings and it impacts you and you do turn up like the six of you did at the city council uh, conference, you actually can you actually can you, you actually can get a result. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. so it's, it's it's it it should be, you know, uh, you know, that's that that's your learning experience yes. to be able to say, actually, at this level, if we can get six, eight, ten people to turn up at something, we're, we're, we're going to make a big impact. Obviously, not going to win everything. But the impact you're going to make is a lot more than you think. And I will, t- I will say, you know, I've sat through a few city council meetings here in Wilmington myself. They're incredibly boring sometimes. Incredibly. Like, a, like I'm, I, look, I understand that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get why people would shy away from it. I also understand that when people, you know, um, they're working class or poor people, you know, they're worried about their own security their housing security their food mm-hmm. their kids all that yes. and they, they they don't really number one they don't have a lot of time number two um you know i i can understand why someone would be afraid of, of repercussions whether it's from their landlord or from their cops or from their boss you know you're working at a place and the boss there you know wants the cops to crack down and wants this loitering ordinance or wants some other ordinance and you know the, the that, that person's going to be there when you go and you're going to feel a certain kind of way. But the fact of the matter is there's strength in numbers. Um, and the more numbers you get, the better you're going to do. Uh, I, um, I, I just did a little strategy for the people um, that have told me so many things, you know, different people. And I just came up with a little strategy. 
And I said, well, maybe what I could do is do a one-on-one where they tell me their story. Then maybe the next time we invite their family members in, then they tell their story about how they feel. And then maybe the next time we could do like a little mock session so that when one day when they really get the opportunity to tell their story, where whether it be at a, you know, with the, the chief of police, you know, we'll set up a meeting or with our city councilman, they'll have that they'll feel better. It's sort of like building them up to become comfortable and making sure that it's a safe space. That's what a lot of people are afraid to really say anything because of the backlash, the repercussion. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you, like, sort of mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. One of the things I... It sounds kind of corny to say, like, uh, your your privilege or, or whatever, but I feel like I... Carl and I were talking about this before. There's a lot of shit I can get away with that other people can't get away with. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to push it. Like I'm really going to push it hard for people who really need to get pushed. Like punch up powerful people, treat mm-hmm. them like dirt, really get in their face. Um, because I know other people aren't in a position to do it. Because, as I said before, their housing or their job, or their health care is precarious. Mm-hmm. They have kids, whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, everybody needs to punch as hard as they can given their particular set of circumstances. I guess that's how I'd put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, giving the people, yes. but as Ella Baker said and as you just said, giving, the, giving people the confidence to act on their own behalf. Act on their own behalf. That's yes. it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the tables on you, Smack. Okay. Just a little bit, not right. heavy. Because okay. you, one of the things that you were able to leverage in your fight was sort of to to get information and then act on that information. Mm-hmm. You gave me a piece of information, and I like to close with like sort of a conversation to get your feeling on it. Okay. My friend Lex Wilson. Xerxes Wilson writes for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. One of the stories he's been covering for years now uh, is the assaults and abuse. He, I mean, he covered the uprising at Smyrna when it happened, and mm-hmm. he actually he won a major award for it. Um, but he's very heavy into making sure that people's stories get get out about uh, about the abuse. Really, it's torture. I mean, mm-hmm. we can we can just say what it is. We should be able to speak very plainly about it. Um, the prisons here are in Delaware are awful. Yeah. Um, they're they're pretty much getting worse. I mean, when we've talked about the uprising in Smyrna, I've asked people to kind of think about what it would be like to have to take that action in that context. How bad it had to get, mm-hmm. if you think about it. And we and I talked to Lex, and I, I if people want to go back and read. Um, his coverage of the trial of the men who were um, who were who were tried in that action, um, I, I I think their words, their own words, are are very telling about what the situation was like. And then since then, you know, lawsuits coming out about basically torture. And the way that I look about the way that I look at these prisons is the same way I look at Leobor. It's the same way I look at Operation Safe Streets. It's it's an institutionalized way to oppress poor people and black people and mm-hmm. to keep, you know, capitalism needs an underclass. And this is how we're going to control the underclass. Okay. You mentioned you were a corrections officer for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested in that experience coming from someone who obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you feel yeah. a certain kind of way. I, I think we, we both sort of share a particular kind of feeling. And I'm just wondering what, like, what your experience was like or how much you'd like to talk about. Um, you know, obviously you don't do it anymore. Um, so. Right. Yeah. Um, how do you feel? What's, what's your, what's your, what was your, what was your experience like? Um, being a female and being a correction officer was um, very hard. Um, but I'm, I'm a, I'm an aggressive female. So you couldn't talk to me any kind of way. You're going to talk to me with respect. And um, a lot of the men there would talk to you as if your opinion didn't matter. Just do what I say, that kind of thing. And I was like, we don't have no bosses here. You're not my boss. 
And when I was working there, um, I have observed um, things that weren't right. And I was a person who would write a report and say that because at the end of the day, I look at it like this. Um, I don't care what these gentlemen are, are in this prison for. You know what I mean? It's not, I'm here to make sure that we keep them where they're supposed to be, that they're following the rules and that they're not breaking out to harm our community. Whereas um, I never wanted to know what their charges were. I never went to go look. I don't need to know that. And I be still believe when you're locked up, you still got to, you know, you, nobody needs to treat you like trash. And um, I was a very, um, I'm going to say I was a CEO that was, you know, nobody, you treat, treat me with respect, I'm going to treat you with respect. So that's how I was. If you didn't treat me with respect, there are things called where we do write-ups and you get in trouble through the, I forget what the board is, I haven't worked there in so long. But my experience was good. Um, I had a lot of positive um, counselings in my file because of who I was as an officer. I did my came there, did my job, and I went home. Um, I got chosen to work with the special needs unit. And these are inmates who are incarcerated who may have some mental health issues. And so I was one of those chosen ones to go through the training and to work that unit. And then um, I got pulled from that unit because they need me somewhere else. I'm really not trying to, like, because some people still work there. But I was... Uh, put in certain buildings for a reason, should I say. And uh, to, you know, kind of, you know, cut back, you know, certain things. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there. Okay. I, I, I was like, was, but, is, is it is it financial or otherwise? I mean, is it is it staffing, financial, chicanery? Nah, or? That, that money, you talking about the money they pay you? Oh, no, no. Oh. I meant the money. I meant, um, like, they... Uh, I'll tell you exactly what I meant. Okay. That they didn't want to expend so many resources on uh, people that were incarcerated uh, who had special needs or had um, mental health issues or other things. So the program that you were working with, they didn't give it any, they didn't give it, you know, they were like, well, that was they the, fir the first thing. I feel thing like the they never gave it a fair, I feel like they Is didn't give it a fair about? try. And, yeah, special needs unit. It was called a. It was called a SNU, Special Needs Unit. And um, I just feel like they did not give that a try. I can see where it was helping those inmates with mental health issues. I mean, some of them had, you know, some really, it, some issues that if they were in regular population, they probably would have gotten beaten up or hurt by other inmates. But um, I want to talk about Sussex. I never liked to work at Sussex because the first time that I worked there, I witnessed, they called them, you know, they always call Sussex the good old boy prison. And I never, I went there and worked one time and I was like, this is not for me. It's just the way that they did things to, to black inmates. I did not like, I did voice my opinion. Now that's talking some time ago back in almost 2005. And then um, I see right now that there's a, few things going on that things are start to appear you know I was there you know regarding Sussex prison so I'm glad to see that and that they're doing something about it yeah you know there's not like you know I don't want there's people who still work there I don't want oh yeah you know no yeah I definitely don't I, I'm I'm there's a lot that I've seen though yeah I can imagine that isn't right and that if I've been threatened that if I say something, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm surprised. I think the thing that hits me the hardest is, you know, you read the stuff, you read the the, uh, the details of the lawsuits that have come out, uh, or even the details that were in, um, you know, the, 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 the Vaughn defendants after the uprising, mm -hmm. um, the details that come out with Lex, you know, interviewing uh, people that uh, are, are still inside. Mm -hmm. to, to think that that's the way this information gets out, how rampant it must be or how often it must happen, um, the pressure on people to not say anything, um, 
because, you know, we're talking about a cabal of very violent people in general. And so, yeah, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm. <clears throat> it's one of the things, as I said, I, I put that in... I put that in a group of laws or, or, or a group of institutions, mm-hmm. part of the system. It's, put, it's ingrained in the system of this state to do what it's doing, exactly. uh, whether, it's, whether it's Operation Safe Streets and the Governor's Task Force or but, the way we do probation and parole, the Leobor protections or the prisons. Right. And marijuana, too. We talked about that because yeah. the only reason marijuana is not legal is so the cops can search people's cars. Exactly. That's that's how they that's how they got Lamont Moses. So I want to go back to the prison for once. You know, before you become a correction officer, they teach you all these things. Right. And one of the you know, they teach you how to do your job. Nothing in that training tells you to go in there and just beat up people. Nothing in that training tells you to go and shove a tray so hard their meal tray through the flap that it hits the inmate. None of that is in no training. So to me, even as correction officers, they put you through all of that, go through your background history. If your mama been locked up, your daddy been locked up, they still need to do a mental health check. And I really think that needs to be done because some of the things that I've seen when I work there, that's just not how you treat people. And they wonder why an inmate comes out for a shower and starts throwing shit. The medical pill? Huh? Yeah, Sorry. I'm talking about shit. <laughs> Real shit. Oh, my. I could take that. Ty just perked up. She's if like, you were CEO what? and worked in Max and never been in contact with shit, it's something wrong. Human shit. And you wonder why they do that. And after they are taken down, they tell you why they did it. And it's because of how you treated them. If, if, you, if, 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 you, if you go into it uh, with the mindset that I think is prevalent, as you said, that the people there are not human, that they deserve everything you do to them, it doesn't really matter, um, then any any person is going to have a breaking point. I mean, this is again, I, I it, it was a while ago, but I I definitely uh, think people should go back and and uh, and listen to some when when <laughs> when the news journal reporters are actually allowed to come in here and talk. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, listen to to Lex come in and, and talk about that, or read his work on on the trial of 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 the men who were. Um, uh, who were part who were charged in the uprising and, and 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 think about what it would take like where would you break if you were being treated in this way with with complete um impunity we'll talk off camera about that situation <laughs> uh, yeah i got you i got you mm-hmm. all right so I have a story to share with you so let's let let's let's finish up with what right. we need to care about is finding people in kent county that care about their community and care sure. about and care about their neighbors yes mm-hmm. Uh, and and want to uh, get involved with making people's lives a little bit easier. Exactly. So the cops don't hassle them, so their rent doesn't go up, so they can go to the doctor, uh, all right. of that stuff. And um, what I am begging you to do, if you're in Kent County, you, you already know Ty, you already know what she's doing. Now you know what Von the Smack is doing. If you're listening to this and you're in Kent County, you probably already know Von the Smack. <laughs> but we're we're all going to get to know her a lot more because I feel like Kent <laughs> County I feel like Kent County is a uh, is a hotbed. Yes. Do you know what yes. I mean? Is it a hotbed right now? Yes, 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 it is. It is a hotbed. That's my understanding. Word has gotten up here to Wilmington that Kent County is a hotbed for activism, and I love that. I love yes, it. Too. I love that too. I love it. It's um, amazing to hear. Vonda, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for having me. This was dope. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, as, as, as Ty will tell you, um, you know, we, we, we put one of these out a week, and um, I, I always want the people who are like in the in the group to come back and talk about what they're doing all the time. Um, so, you know, we have activists in, um, in Wilmington and Greater Newcastle County in Kent to come in all the time. Don't be a stranger up here because. 
um, whatever we can do to get the word out, um, to help you organize people, to help you advocate, Mm -hmm. to just help mention that something's going on that people need to pay attention to, Mm -hmm. this is why we're here. So, I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you. And Ty, thank you for doing what you do. Because, uh, you know, you're doing what you do. And we love it. Oh, and um, left is